Thanks, Pastor Graham. Um, I'd like to uh, talk a bit this afternoon about tribulation. And um, I think that means different things to different people. Sometimes if you deprive your children of their mobile phone or of some television, they'll call that tribulation. But I think it's just usually discipline. Um, But as we know that uh, there are some of our brethren who go uh, through things more than most of us, Uh, we've heard in more recent times about the the challenges in uh, Pakistan with our brethren there who um, are faced fairly regularly with threats uh, on their life and some have lost their lives uh, for the for the Lord's sake and that's something that most of us here um, would never have to deal with but we may on the other hand deal with uh, rejection by our family when we come to the Lord um, where people all of a sudden don't like what we're on about and um, sometimes if your family's uh, been hard to get on with that's a relief um, but if you really want to be close to your family well of course that's uh, that's a real shame and you you hope that you can in time uh, win them around um, and and then there are things that just happen not necessarily just for the gospel's sake but just because of life and we can find ourselves uh, all of a sudden uh, uh, facing something which we just didn't expect was going to happen in our life and and um, and that could mean many things, different things to different people where some accident or misfortune or something has happened in life and it's just taken the rug out from underneath our feet and it's become very, very trying for us. And um, so I thought that the logical place to read today was the book of Job and uh, I think if you've spent time in the book of Job, you'll probably already have suffered some tribulation um, because it is where we tend to go um, because it is uh, it is a unique story. I think that God has given us a story uh, of someone who has suffered so much uh, that we can't say that God didn't understand. You know, when he put this book in place, he put it in place um, because... He knew exactly what it would be like to have sort of a huge amount of suffering or less. And this man suffered a huge amount. And so um, let's have a little bit of a look. And I, I just want to sort of walk through the book a bit, just uh, little pieces here and there, uh, because uh, reading it all would take longer than a Jack Clay talk. Um, and um, so I'll leave that to you on another occasion. So in chapter 1 and in verse um, 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And, and the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil. Um, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught, for no reason? Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side, 
Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. And this is what happens in the next verses where we find that uh, news starts to come to Job where all of a sudden his, uh, his um, I think verse 14, it talks about his uh, ox and ass feeding there and these people came in and stole them all. Verse 15, it says, He's slain all your servants. Uh, in verse 16, we read of now sheep and more servants gone, uh, and this time not by enemies, but just uh, by um, something coming, whether that's lightning or whatever. In verse 17, there's more enemies that come take away his camels, more servants. Verse 18, all of a sudden his sons and his daughters are slain. Now that's that's absolute wreckage that's gone through his family and through his everything that he owns, all his increase, all his effort in life, everything that he's built up to this point in life, the whole lot gone. And he sits there and thinks, wow, look at that. Look at that. I mean, we're going to have a look at how he reacts. And in verse um, 20, then Job arose and uh, tore his, his mantle, shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord uh, hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Now what we're going to read about here is a very good man. I mean, if God gives you a recommendation, if God writes your reference... and and he writes a good reference, you couldn't get a better reference than that. And that's the reference that we read of here in chapter 1, and this is the way that Job responds in in an excellent way. And he just says, well, I came with nothing, I leave with nothing, but I'm still going to praise God. Now that's an exceptional attitude. And if we were to compare it with... um, people in the Lord who have uh, had great loss, you often see that the first reaction, you know, after the shock, the first reaction is that the spiritual view does come into your mind and, and we, we often take great delight in our brothers and sisters when we see that happen and, and yet sometimes after, the, well, if it's a great tragedy, after comes another reaction. And not always, but but when it's very heavy, sometimes people are left afterwards with loneliness and regret. And um, we're going to see how that happens. Uh, firstly, in chapter 2, we find that um, his wife um, is very encouraging to him. In verse 9, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. So the only one that's left... Maybe he wishes she wasn't there. I was talking to somebody recently about troubles in their own family and I said to them, um, and then all you're left with is your grumpy wife. And the wife turned to me and she said, oh, that's me. Um, And um, anyway, they hopefully are going to get through their their troubles. So in chapter 3, we then see 
what happens to Job when the dust settles. In verse 1, after this Job opened his mouth uh, and cursed his day. Now we've got a different reaction. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night which it was said there is a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the, sun, the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. This is sort of negativity at its peak, isn't it? Nothing he says has anything happy or any joy or hope in it. Verse 8, let them curse it that curse the day who are ready to raise up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I, did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? And the chapter just goes on and on. It doesn't get any better. And, and this is his, uh, his very dark moment. And we've got a, a book which is full of promises. We've got a miracle working God. And we love to hear the testimonies that we all have about how God has changed things marvelously in our lives. But this is a story where it, it's sort of the answer, the good answer didn't come quickly. And it seemed as though it was never going to come. And how was he ever to replace uh, his children? Maybe he could replace his his sheep and his cattle and his, his camels. Maybe he could even replace his servants in one sense, although he may have, may have uh, really valued those particular servants and could never replace them. Um, so in the middle of all that, we've got this story, which is quite different to a lot of stories where maybe the answer came in quickly. And so during this time, we find that um, Job has some friends who come along and in their own best intentions, they try to help him. And so in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, the first one's name, Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, If we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? I feel I've got to say something. Behold, you've instructed many and has, have strengthened the weak hands. So he acknowledges Job's um, help to others. Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now it has come unto thee, and thou faintest. It touches thee, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope? and the uprightness of thy ways. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent or where were the righteous cut off. And he, in his own way, Eliphaz, I believe here, is is trying to come in with a bit of logic that he sees. And he says, well, you've always been good to others. You've always instructed them. And now it's hitting you. So maybe you should use some of the wisdom you've used on others for yourself and perhaps see that... Um, uh, to see it from outside, try and see it a bit that way. And, and, and he, and he adds to it, well, nobody ever 
perished being innocent. So even though that might sound very logical to some people, it actually wasn't really, well, it wasn't right. It wasn't so much here about whether he was innocent or not. God loved him. And God, this is not a punishment from God. And this, this man hasn't worked that out. God was actually allowing one of his favorites to be tested. And so even though somebody might come in with what seems like it has some logic to it, it just didn't hit the mark. And, and so he goes on with his logic, but it doesn't sort of help Job in, in chapter five, verse 17. He says, behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. Now that, that's a good saying in itself, but it's the right saying at the wrong time. And it, it, it just didn't land with this circumstance. And if we go over to, um, um, oh, there was another verse I just wanted to read there in chapter five, verse seven, in, in everything that Eliphaz is saying, he says, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. That too sort of sounds good. But um, that's sort of where Job had always been. Let's go to chapter uh, 8. So step up his next friend. Um, Job speaks nine or ten times here, but I'm not going to touch on all his answers. In verse 1, Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, How long wilt thou speak these things, and how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Now, that's a bit heavy, um, but that's how he comes across. It, maybe he's wearing a bit from Job's sadness and not knowing what to say. Verse 3, Does God pervert judgment? Well, of course he doesn't. Or does the Almighty pervert justice? No. If thy children have sinned against him and he has cast them away for their transgression, if thou wouldest seek unto God betimes and make thy supplication to the Almighty. So he brings in another thought. Is the reason you've lost your children is because they were sinners. And so you need to sort of see that as the problem. So he's, he's come in from another angle, which again is not really what the story is about but it sounds plausible. Let's go to uh, chapter 10. And verse 1. Job speaking. This is one of his many uh, words like this. He says, My soul is weary of my life. So he's going day day in, day out. I will leave my complaint Upon myself, I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Just give me an answer. Why am I going through this? The big why, you know, when there's no answer. Why? Can you, can you just give me a bit of a clue? And in verse eight, we start to see just a little bit of Job's spiritual roots coming out and in verse 8 he says thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about yet thou dost destroy me so half of this is is yep I know you're there the other half is I don't understand what's happening 
And verse 9, remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again. And he, he, he starts to really reason with God through his trial. And in verse 15, he says, um, if I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I'll be humble. I am full of confusion. Therefore see thou mine affliction, for it increases. Thou huntest me as a fierce lion, and again thou showest thyself marvellous upon me. I don't get it. I'm just, I'm lost in the middle of this trial that I can't seem to find an answer for. Um, okay, so step in friend number three. Dare he. Verse one. Then answered Zophar, the Namathite. And, uh, he says in verse um, 5, But O that God would speak and open his lips against thee, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is his. Well, that's okay. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserves. Now this is the sort of friend you really need in a hard time. God hasn't even started to hit you and to show you how wrong you've been. And so poor old Job's there struggling just within himself and he wishes that his friends would just find some duct tape and put it in the right place around their mouths. Um, so let's go to chapter 12. I love this little part of chapter 12 because Job starts to get a bit of fight in him. And in verse 1, And Job answered and said, no doubt, but you are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. A bit of mockery coming back from him. You're the ones, you've got all the answers. And in verse 3, But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Yea, who knoweth not such things as these? Everyone knows the sort of reasonings you're putting forward. In verse 4, I am as one mocked of his neighbour who calleth upon God and he answereth him, the just upright man is laughed to scorn. Um, he that is ready to slip with his feet is as a lamp despised in the thought of him that is at ease. And, and he, um, he, he begins to reason pretty strongly against them. And if we go to chapter 13, And he says uh, in verse 4, he's still talking, same conversation, but you are forgers of lies, you are all physicians of no value. <laughs> he's calling them mugs here, really. They've done him no favours. He says, oh, that you would altogether hold your peace and it should be your wisdom. <laughs> the wisest thing you could have done was just sit with me. It would be the best thing. Just be here. Don't say anything. And and then he really, again, he steps forward a bit further and he says um, in verse 13, Hold your peace, let me alone that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him, he also shall be my salvation. And you can, and, and this is just, this is a great sentence that we read 
from time to time about Job. And he's got, the picture is starting to become clear to him, very clear, is that I've lost my servants, I've lost my, all my animals, I've lost all my increase, I've lost my children. Okay, Lord, one thing left, apart from getting rid of my wife, <laughs> is you can do me in. One thing left. It's just my life. He says, but though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And so he's actually gone to the top of the class because this whole story is about a test of his faith. That's all it's about. That's, it's, it's not about anything else. It's just a test of his faith. And so here he is. He says, I can lose the lot and I will not budge from believing in God and and I will continue to do things the way I've always done them because I've done them before him he has been my guide he has been my judge and so here he is really gaining a bit of strength in the middle of his troubles let's go to chapter 19 and verse 14 My kinsfolk have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me. People don't, they don't know what to say to me. They don't know what to do with me. So they've, they've kept some distance. Verse 15. They that dwell in my house and my maids count me for a stranger. I'm an alien in their sight. I called my servant and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife. Though I entreated for the children's sake, of mine own body. So this uh, paints a bit of a picture of, of where he is. Uh, verse 18, Yea, young children despised me. I arose and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. My bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I'm escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O ye my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. And this is um, a good summation of how he's feeling. Is that he's just saying to his friends, just have a bit of understanding. Maybe you've never been through anything like this, so don't come with an answer that, as though you have, as though you understand. And he said, just feel for me, just sit with me. And I think probably many of us have been in, in circumstances where sometimes, well, often maybe, you know, as we, we preach the gospel to others and, uh, or even we're helping a brother or sister. And I don't know how many times I've said to somebody, I have no understanding of what you're going through. Because, because who of us goes through everything? And, and, and so, but we do know that we have a God who sent his son to go through everything. So he becomes the one who really can connect because Jesus suffered and he, he, he's the one that we, we can't ignore. I was talking to a lady uh, yesterday, um, a few, number of people singing in, uh, in the uh, shopping center down at the, the colonnades and there was a lady there who looked like she'd had a fair bit of trouble in her life and, her background had been that she'd been in the Jehovah's Witnesses when she was young and, and then tried another church, but now she'd given up on praying. 
And um, I said to her at the time, and I, I touched a little bit on the story of Job with her, I said, look, people may not know what you've been through, but you can give up on religion, but don't give up on Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ came and suffered so that you would know that you could go to him. And she agreed with that. And I said, maybe one day you might read this pamphlet with these stories on here and think about Jesus rather than think about the religions you've come out of who don't know how you feel. And so Job here is looking for some understanding and he's not really finding it from where he's being advised. Um, chapter, sorry, verse 23. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. What a great thing to find in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Again, what an amazing passage. Some have said that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Is this the first person who has spoken of the Redeemer? That here he is uh, uh, forecasting, prophesying of the things to come and, and out of the heat of the fire, the gold is coming out and he, he, he makes this amazing set of statements here um, and we were just singing something like that weren't we about my redeemer there is a redeemer uh, the word that we're reading of here um, let's go to uh, chapter uh, 23 chapter 23 verse um, 1 then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter, if we happen to have forgotten. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my, my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he does work, but I cannot behold him, he hides himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined, neither have I gone backward uh, from the commandment of his lips, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And, and he is, he is gaining a bit of momentum here. He is lifting, saying, I just want this, this chance just to talk to the Lord. And, and I know what he would say to me. And I know how good that would be for me. That would be where my answer would come from. Chapter 27. We're getting there. Verse 3, just again a bit of realisation of his own position. All the while my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. My lips shall not speak wickedness nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you, my friends. Till I die I will not remove mine integrity from me 
My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. So this is not negative anymore. This is not buried anymore. This is not curse the day I was born. This is not I can't get out of this, I can't see a future. It's now I know that he knows the way I take. I'm going to come out like gold. What I've been doing I'm going to continue to do and there is hope around the corner. Uh, and so if we now go to chapter 38 and verse 1. Then the Lord answered, here we go, four great words. Then the Lord answered, Job out of the whirlwind, and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Who is this that, that, has, that makes wisdom look bad? by being uninformed or not having experience. In verse 3, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I'll demand of thee and answer thou me. Here he is. He's, uh, the Lord's giving him a bit of a shake-up and, and, and Job's there probably going, Give it to me, Lord. That's what I've been waiting for. Do I need a clip behind the ear? Give me one. Do I need to be pointed in the right direction? Point me. I got a bit lost here, but, but I, I've, I've been trying to find my way back. And God says here in verse 4, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who has laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? And we get a, a terrific science lesson through the next few chapters where God just explains the the magnificence of his creation and Job just sits there just lapping it up. Just speak on, Lord. I'm, I'm happy to hear it all. I'm happy to hear uh, whatever you've done uh, because it makes me feel sure. And in chapter 42, in verse 1, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. It's interesting here, he doesn't blame his friends for hiding counsel without knowledge. He just says, if I've said anything dumb, I uttered the things that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Verse 4, Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And again, what a ripper of a verse. And if you haven't come to to know the Lord here today, can I suggest that maybe the thing you need is the same that most of us need? You need some cold, hard proof. Not just a promise by somebody. Not just a, a nice church to go to. But you want to deal with God one on one. And maybe you're here because there have been unanswered questions in your life. Maybe there has been trouble in your life. And maybe there have been issues with people, relationships, things that have, uh, have, have not let your life land smoothly. Well, can I say that maybe from what the Bible says, that in some ways that's actually the best thing for you, that it goes wrong. You know, when everything goes squeaky clean perfect, we can get oh so smug. 
You know, they, they're talking at the moment about children being in such sterile environments that they've got weak immunity. Make sure everything's wiped down and they can't hurt themselves on anything. You guarantee yourself a very pampered, weak child. But let them, I'm not saying drop them from the top of the roof, but they'll find ways to do that themselves. But some harshness in life actually is not all bad. And we see here the excellence of Job which comes out under the heat. Now none of us will put our hand up for the heat. Not usually. We, we Maybe a bit of heat that we think we can control. But heat that is out of control, we don't put our hand up for usually. But when it comes, it says here, if we can see the Lord, then all of a sudden we'll get a a lift that we never ever expect. Today you can receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And your eyes, in a sense, your inner eye will see God the moment that happens. Today you can be baptised here in a baptism tank. It's not scary. You will have done it a thousand times yourself at home. It's just a bath. It's not scary. It's just that this time, when you do it, you say, I'm burying my old way of life. I'm burying my troubles. I'm saying goodbye to it all because I want a new life. And when the Spirit of God comes into me, He's going to lift me out of my troubles and give me a brand new start. And proof. It's it's the proof that usually brings us home. You start to speak in tongues, it just comes up from within and all of a sudden a prayer language and you're communicating with God. And you'll know there's an inner knowledge that comes with it. There's a software package that comes with it. It just says, this is it. You're on the money now. It doesn't need anybody to say it. It just seems to come with it that you know. Oh, wow. Um, so in verse 6, Job says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that you have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. Now, they're not wiped off here. And and in in their own way, I think they'd done their best. But it was well short of the mark. And and God gives them another chance here to to get themselves seeing things as Job sees them. And and so then we find how the Lord turns it all around in verse twelve. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had fourteen thousand sheep and six thousand camels and seven uh, and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand she asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. So life turned around for him. But he would never have forgotten how much he learnt by this particular process where he was tested. But fortunately, he had the good in place already. And and if uh, we have the good in place, if we have the Holy Ghost within, then we will survive uh, what might come. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, just a couple of other scriptures. Verse 1. 
therefore being justified by faith. Just we'll pause there for a minute. Being justified by faith. Now that's the thing that Job was tested about. That's the thing he was justified about. And that's what we are justified in as well, is that there's not much point going into the baptism tank unless we have some belief that we're doing something between us and God. Because just getting wet or doing it for your friend or doing it for your family or whatever is not going to get anywhere. We do it between us and God. Otherwise, there is no justification in it. If we pray for the Holy Spirit and we don't believe, nothing will happen. You can bet on that. I remember a Christadelphian chap down at Mount Gambia many years ago. He, uh, he, he came out to the prayer line. He prayed to receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't believe what was going to happen. He turned around and he said, There, see, I gave it a try and it doesn't work. He didn't want it to work. And he missed out because of his unbelief. Who here has received the Holy Spirit? Because we've believed. All the people said. It, 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 it comes to a point of, I can do nothing else here but put my trust in the person or the God that I don't know. How do I do that? Well, that's a great experiment. That's a great experiment. We can't really tell you how to do it. We can only say what we've done. The step in faith that we've taken. You come out to the prayer line and, and, and pray with somebody here. Say hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. Maybe it's a word you've never been able to say. Or maybe you only said it when your football team won. But if you say it because you want to praise God, then all of a sudden it's different. The God that you don't know. So therefore being justified by faith in chapter 5 verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So the door, access, the door is opened to go in, into all the blessing of God and the favour of God. And in verse 3, it says, and not only so, so here's a bit of a but or a or an and, but we glory in tribulations also. So the first part of this passage is about all the goodness that God gives. But then it says, but we, but also when trouble comes, we will glory in God. Knowing that tribulation works patience. And, you know, one of the great enemies of defeating, uh, sadness or, you know, the, the worry that can come with tribulation, one of the great enemies is impatience. I have to have it now. Why isn't it happening now? But when you know, we read of the patience of Job, it's written in the book of James, and might look at it in a second, and he allowed the process to continue and in the end said, okay, do what you will with me because in the end I know I shall come forth as pure gold. And his patience stood him in good strength. Uh, in verse 4, and patience, experience. In other words, now I know how it works. And experience, hope. And hope makes not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Also, we will just look at James chapter 5. Verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, 
and have seen the end or the result by the Lord's hand. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And when Job needed pity, that's where it came from. It came from the Lord. When, when Job needed mercy, that's where it came from. It, it came from the Lord. And so he became very aware that where he had put his trust in life was rock solid, sure, sound. There was, uh, there was going to be a great result uh, towards him. Um, let's go to Luke 21, and I think we might finish there, and verse 16. Shall we go a little earlier? Um, maybe verse 12, 11. <laughs> Start at verse 1? No, we'll go with verse 11. It's talking about the end times. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. And that's, that's what we're, we're living amongst. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. This is not happening in our country, but it certainly is the type of thing that is happening in Pakistan and I dare say in other countries as well, but we're personally aware of it in Pakistan. And in verse 13, the interesting verse, it says, it shall turn to you for a testimony. So the Lord's not saying here, I'm going, I want to free you all from the prison. He said, some of, some of it I'm actually going to use as a testimony the way that you are imprisoned. And we read of that with Peter escaping from the prison and, and so on. Uh, but also we read of the way Jesus spoke when he was imprisoned. That was a testimony, the way that he died. Um, in verse 14, Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer, for I'll give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Now, as I say, that's happened in Pakistan, that some have had that happen, but not all. And verse 17 and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, for there shall not an hair of your head perish. And that's a spiritual comment, that we, we are, spiritually, we're going to survive. And in verse 19, in your patience possess ye yourselves. And patience and tribulation hang together. And here we are living in the last days. You know, if we had an overview of time as the Bible gives us, that we are people who've, who've been appointed to living in these last days and, and, and the trying that will come upon us from here and there. And God has made it for us to be a testimony amongst those that are around about us and to, to recognize the things that He is doing. I was talking to a young sister the other day who hasn't been in the Lord a long time and she said that she was in an abusive relationship and she was trying to get out of it. She didn't know how to get out of it. Um, you know the, that uh, knives were not far away, and um, and she said one day when she decided how she was going to get out of out of the relationship, and she did. She said, "I was just so protected." She said, "I don't know why." And then she came to the Lord through uh, another chap witnessing to her, and when she walked in, 
to our meeting, I remember my comment has always been about her, uh, that when she came in, she looked like a young girl in a lolly shop. She just was happy. She didn't even know what she was walking into, but she just had this joy the moment she came in. And then she remembered what had happened and how she'd escaped from this circumstance before, and she thought, that was God, and that's why I'm here now. And and she thanked the Lord for protecting her and bringing her uh, to this position. And what a what a, a great uh, uh, joy it is for her now to just walk on in the Lord. And so um, sometimes we find that there are things that we can't remove immediately. We can't seem to change them right now. But if God is in our life, then the end result will be a good one. And in our patience, we will have much hope. One of these days, Jesus comes back and we we are going to be better rockets than anything that Trump or Kim Jong-un Jung, Jung, Un, Un can bring. We are going to fly further than any of their rockets and faster. And all the people said, 